made my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am Jamie Christine, and welcome to Transcend, where I hope to open minds, expand consciousness, and raise vibration by talking about all things spiritual, metaphysical, transcendental, quantum, and everything in between. And today awesome. we've got Alex Giebert. Um, I own the Phoenix Holistic Wellness in Redbud, Illinois, which is where we're at right now, and Alex is our chiropractor here. Yeah. So we're going to be chatting about all kinds of different things. Um, what would you like to get started with? I think we should start with you explaining how the book came to fruition and where you want to go from there. Awesome. The book I wrote? Can yeah. I take it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yes, I am the author of The Transcendent and I have a lot of different ways that that kind of came to fruition. but. A lot of it was just because I wanted to write a book ever since I was in fourth grade. And being interested in all things metaphysical, spiritual, all that good stuff, um, that's kind of the theme of the book. It's about a young girl who crosses people over to the other side who happened to be dying alone. And um, it was inspired mostly by my grandma when I was there at her bedside and she died amongst family members, all of us surrounding her. And it got me wondering what happens to the people who have to do that alone and don't have family surrounding them. Wonderful. And yeah, I just, I really like to think outside the box. I like to question what if, I like to wonder, and I like to help other people kind of wonder as well. So hopefully that book gets people thinking outside the box a little bit. It's wonderful. Yeah. So I asked that because of the title uh, in general, it's the transcendent, and then also, you know, you say that that's something you want to help people transcend. And yeah. uh, I think, the world is craving what you're trying to do with the idea of transcending everyday life, transcending spiritually, transcending uh, emotionally things in their past, traumas, whatever. Um, being able to elevate above that is yes. awesome. Yes, so and that's exactly, there, yeah. thank you. You too, um, and you have just created this really amazing 30-day experiment that I was lucky enough to be part of the second round. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I'll start by saying a little bit about me. Um, yeah. Just because it'll kind of tell the story a little better. So um, growing up in school and stuff, I was always pretty good in school and it kind of came relatively, I don't want to say easy to me, but I will say I was lucky to be blessed or gifted to the point that I didn't have to try super hard at schoolwork. It was more about just studying for the test and I was really good at retaining information. So up until I got to college, school wasn't that difficult. But then once I got there, things started pushing me a little harder and pushing me a little harder. And um, I realized I was not very good at getting uncomfortable. I wanted to always fall back on what I knew, what I was good at. Um, going back even to high school, you know, I wanted to play football. Um, I was tiny. I was not made to be, uh, I mean, I was made to be a dummy in the football, <laughs> on the football field. I was made to get knocked over. And so um, I lacked a lot of the fortitude it took to overcome some of these challenges. And so then here I am, fast forward, you know, another 15 years, and uh, I own two chiropractic offices. Um, I'm currently working on a couple other businesses at the moment. And so it took a lot of spiritual growth to be able to have the capacity to do this kind of stuff without being bogged down. And 
in my in my life or in my world, I don't feel like I'm overly, I do feel like I'm busy all the time, but um, I don't feel like I'm stretched as thin as I see other people, even though that I, I know I'm doing at least as much, yeah. you know, but I don't feel as stretched thin. And so I was like, what am I doing? I've, I've learned some things over the last few years that just helped me tremendously to keep everything straight and not like want to pull my hair out. And um, especially like in other chiropractors I see when they start their practices and stuff like that, things just, they either succeed and skyrocket or they plummet and there's no like happy medium. Yeah, I know? think that happens in a lot of professions too. Yeah, it's yeah. especially that overwhelm consuming anybody, whatever profession they're in. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm, I'm getting long-winded here, but um, <laughs> the, the point of this was to wrap back around to we all need to anchor to something to help keep us centered on our path or our purpose. Um, I constantly try and remind myself that uh, purity of purpose is what I'm ultimately striving for. And so uh, I decided there's plenty of people, everyday people, that think that spiritual health isn't important. There's people that, everyday people that think emotional health is not important. Self-care is not important. You know, um, I deal in physical, I'm a chiropractor, you know, I adjust spines and deal with people in pain. Um, so it's hard to step into that, that realm. And I was very analytical and some of that stuff is very uh, woo-woo or crunchy <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Um, yes. And so I'm trying to bridge the gap to that. So long-winded uh, response to your question is the 30-day experiment is something that everybody has encountered or is um, presented with bits and pieces of information and spiritual uh, tasks to do every day to slowly transition them from regular stuff over to see kind of the cooler side of themselves. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, I got, I am, I guess we're on the tail end of it right now. Yeah, yeah, 30 the, more days. Yeah, the 30 days is wrapping up, but uh, I have loved it so far. Um, I can see, well, I personally got a lot of benefit out of the journaling aspect of it. And it's, I love how you encourage us to journal every single day. And I'm sure everybody gets a lot of different things out of it. Like for me, exercising is already a regular part of my personal routine, but that mental quiet time and that me time, and I've got so much on my plate right now too. We're both entrepreneurs, so I get the whole craziness of juggling the job you're in as well as expanding into new horizons and that juggling act definitely consumes you and it was swallowing me up but this 30-day experiment the journaling aspect of it and the breathing techniques and meditations in the morning I get excited about the fact that I am setting my alarm to get myself up with an hour of me time Right. So that I still have time to get myself up in the morning or get myself ready for my day. I still have time to get my kids ready for their day. And I still have that hour of quiet time to dedicate to me. Where I make my coffee and I journal and reflect and meditate. And I don't want to start my day any other way now. And I've, I feel like I formed that habit so that that 30-day experiment may be coming to an end. But my journaling habit and getting up early in the morning to do it is not. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to expand on that. I'm curious. 
I think journaling is so different across, you know, the board. So, yeah. uh, like my journaling, I typically start with a bunch of gratitude and just like, I spill all that all over the page of just like things I'm thankful for. And that's what helps clear me. And then some days, you know, um, I'll journal at the end of the day and it's me just word vomiting. <laughs> uh, it's like me venting to the page, but I'm just yeah. curious what, what do you like out of it? I what do you tend to do? I, say. I tend to start psychoanalyzing myself. So I really like exploring limiting beliefs and I have, we all have them and I really like to challenge them. So whenever I notice myself saying, Oh, I can't do this or I don't like doing this or I'm not good at this, or I think this, then it's like, Oh, hang on. Let's Try dissect this a little bit. Why don't I like it? Why do I think I'm not good at it? Why do I think this is true? And I start just, it's kind of like a word vomit for me too, or just dump whatever's on my brain of, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's because of this thing that happened to me in my childhood. Maybe it's because of something my grandma said, or maybe it's, you know, whatever, and explore all these different reasons that could potentially be leading me towards believing or thinking whatever it is that I'm thinking and look at it from different angles. Could it be this? Could it be that? And I've actually uncovered quite a lot of interesting, deep-seated things um, through some of your journaling prompts in the 30-day experiment, mm -hmm. and just through me dissecting my own thought processes and exploring those limiting beliefs. I think the cool thing about journaling for me is it's so different based on the time of day that I do it. Yeah. Like, uh, if I do it in the morning, it's typically, um, like I said, the gratitude, and then uh, I just word vomit until my mind's clear. Yeah. Like, one, and like I will literally, um, it's actually in a book. It's an incredible book called The Artist's Way. I suggest you read it. I, that's it. on my list. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. But they do the morning pages. Yeah. Um, Tim Ferriss also talks about it in his book. Um, I was not aware of this whenever I started the 30-day thing. But oh, it's, really? It's, yeah, it's kind of the same concept. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to that while we were going through it. Oh, that's and neat. uh so I was just doing the journaling thing, not necessarily the morning pages of just the Yeah, word see the whole time because I'm familiar with the artist way, I've just never done it. But yeah, as I was doing the 30 day experiment, I'm like, he must be pulling some inspiration from the artist way. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> towards funny. the end, but that's funny. I, I did not start that way. I just happened to start the book. Um whenever I told you I was I had three in front of yours, that was the one that I was on. Wow. And uh, it's just funny, that's where I was at. That's funny. But um, at the end of the day, I do exactly what you do. It's more of a psychoanalysis, and it's like, um, where did I respond unfavorably today, and why? Yeah. Like, what triggered me to get upset about something? I was yeah. just about to say the exact same thing. Triggers are a really fun thing to explore when you can observe it instead of getting emotionally involved in it. Right. Yeah, when you can separate yourself from that emotion of the trigger, yeah, why did so-and-so say this and I responded with anger or frustration? What was it that angered or frustrated me? Right. And yeah, it's really interesting because when you really dig down into it, it's not what they said or did that made you angry. It was your thought and reaction or your thought about what they said, what you assumed was happening in the moment that they said what they said or did what they did. And then it was your reaction to that thought about it. Right. You're in complete control. I didn't know we were gonna go here, but I love it. So, um, so coming off of that or to piggyback off of that, I think the beauty of, like you're saying, stepping away and, and evaluating things 
can be applied across the board. Um, something that I learned from, uh, I think his name, Stephen Crone. He talks about, like, I can literally change the past. And he's like, I know that sounds funny, but whenever somebody tells me that, I say, all we have to do is change your narrative. Because yeah. whether it's the past or the future, this is getting existential, but whether it's the past or the future, future the past, it, it could not have happened any other way because it didn't. Otherwise, it would have happened a different way. It couldn't have. And the future is literally your anticipation of something that's going to happen. It's never happened. It's yeah. just as real as what what you think is going to happen is just as real as what I think is going to happen. And it, and neither one of them is real. Yeah. So um, both the past and the future are literally your interpretations. The only thing that is existing is, you know, right now. Right now. Um, so when you can separate yourself from that and look at a past event and say, okay, what did I interpret differently than what should I have interpreted differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And it can help you respond in the present properly without uh, getting too tied to your emotional um, charge at the time. Yeah, and that's a really great tool to hone because it keeps you out of that reaction in the future. When you do find yourself in a situation where you would have been triggered before, you've already got that skill set within you to take that more observant approach to it. Why would I be reacting this way? Why am I thinking this in response to this situation? And how can I react instead to make this the best possible outcome for everyone? Right. Yeah, and, it's um, cool. I find oftentimes whenever I do my searching, I either find some insecurity or some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Typically, there's a root cause somewhere in there that is unfavorable anyway so yeah. it's time to up that out and right. remove it anyway but yeah 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 the insecurity thing i think is kind of a downfall of a lot of people and if we all that's what i love about journaling because it gives me that safe place where i can start looking at my insecurities from a safe place like right. nobody else is looking at these with me nobody else is here to judge me nobody else is here to laugh at me or whatever the negative response is that I'm wanting to avoid and I can pick apart where is this insecurity coming from and how can I grow from it right yeah and to highlight the insecurity thing um, in a non uh, private forum any social media nowadays and you'll see it like what cracks me up is like somebody will put a generic post okay Asking a question. I did it the other day, for example. I'm not going to even go into that. But <laughs> I asked a question about the Wall Street stuff because I was ignorant of it. And it's funny to see how people get triggered when you ask a generic question. You understand they read it through the eyes of their insecurity. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yes. You can yes. be like, hey, has anyone in here ever done blah, blah, blah? And the person that did something wrong and has an insecurity about that, they'll stand up and assume that you just accuse them of it. You know what I'm saying? Do you <laughs> yes, see, I don't know absolutely. how else to describe that. But yeah. it's funny. You'll see it come through on a Facebook post. Like It's just a totally jovial conversation. And then out of nowhere, this person will come out and just assume that the original post was chewing them out. Yes. Yes. I've had that happen because I try to stay as neutral as possible on Facebook. Yeah. I honestly don't really even have a political stance. I don't want to claim to have one and I definitely want to keep if I did have one I want to keep that out of Facebook's business and I shared a news article over the summer I guess it was that really in my opinion didn't have any kind of political standing 
and somebody turned it into a political battle. They immediately jump on board. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny to me. It is, yeah. <laughs> how you can you can step it up to that. So yeah. anyway, um, and then back to to bring that full circle. Another thing that I love about that stuff is breath work. Mm. Um, I'm sure you're getting into the hypnotherapy stuff. You're getting into that. Yeah. Um, but I think the physiological effects of breath work are incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, the vagal nerve activation and slowing people down and to help prevent them from being so reactionary so then they don't have to journal about all the crazy responses they had throughout the day. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about breath work because that's an area I haven't really gotten to research a whole lot and it okay. seems like you've gotten to do a little bit more than I have and you've introduced me to Wim Hof's breathing technique. I've heard of Wim Hof before but Oh my gosh, through the 30-day experiment and finding out, oh, hey, I can hold my breath for nearly two minutes now. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's very crazy. I did that one this morning, and I was just floating along and got to the one-and-a-half-minute mark, and he's like, if you want to go longer, go ahead and pause the video. And I was like, gosh, I can go longer. This is weird. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I stepped it up and tried doing some holotropic breathing. Uh, that's kind of like another step a little higher. Um, that... They say it initiates DMT release and a bunch of stuff, and sometimes people can have uh, hallucinogenic effects from breathing, That's and it's crazy. crazy. Um, but it is through uh, nitric oxide release, through breathing in through your nose. Um, it's from that vagal nerve stimulation. It is from the alkalinity that builds up in your body, just like Wim Hof talks about all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that stuff can have this compounded crazy effect, you know? Um, even doing Wim Hof, my fingers will tend to get tingly. Mm -hmm. uh, holotropic breathing, um, my hands were numb. Wow. <laughs> that was creepy. Yeah. Um, my hearing goes away when I hold my breath for that 15 second count. Uh -huh. Everything suddenly goes far away. Yeah. Uh, I get the same thing. And it's almost yeah. like a real low tone whistle. Yeah. And then it'll slowly it comes come back. back. Yeah. Um, so the breath work for me has been incredible not only do you get a bunch of great neurochemicals released whenever you do it but uh, like I said that vagal nerve stimulation and they've done tests to see how long does it take to actually cause a state change and by state change it's like you know people are often confused by a state change so like if you're mad at someone and you finally get to this point where you're just like all right, I'm over it. And you can literally feel better and move on. That was a state change right there. Yeah. Or like um, if all of a sudden you look at your lottery ticket and you see you won, it doesn't matter how tired or sore or bored you were. If you look down and saw you just won a million dollars, I can promise you you're about to have a state change. And so uh, recognizing that we can literally change at the drop of a hat, it, like we always let our external circumstances dictate how we are responding to things. Mm -hmm. When in reality, we are in 100% control of our state. I could pretend, if I could somehow generate the idea to feel like I just won the lottery, I could literally change my state like that. Yeah. So um, anyway, back to the breath work. To figure out what it would take to change your state. So let's say you're about to go into a big interview or you're about to have a conversation with somebody that you don't want to have. To be able to bring yourself down, they say it takes six breath cycles. Six breath cycles. So. Uh, big in through the nose if you want nitric oxide and then big deep breath out through the mouth six cycles of that will create the state change and I'm telling you it's like 
you can feel it. Yeah. When you practice it, but yeah, that'd be a yeah. fun thing to explore a little bit more. And I notice my job is so much easier. I'm sure you've seen that too. I've got people on the table who forget to breathe. They're holding their breath, fighting against whatever tight muscle it is that I'm working on that's too painful that they're fighting me. And when I remind them to breathe, there's this great exhale on a whole different level, both in the air exhale and in the muscle. 100%. Yeah, the yeah. body responds to the breath. Absolutely. And yeah. I've even seen, this goes even farther, but like with tonal techniques of chiropractic, it's more about um, changing the tone or the tension on the dura mater, the cord of, or the covering of the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And it's all light force techniques, but what's incredible is when you pair that with breathing and you adjust people while they're breathing the right way, and you can literally see it like a, I equate it all the time to a tumbler on a lock, like, you know, you turn it, if you turn it in the right sequence, it just starts unlocking everything. Mm -hmm. And when you start doing that, you can literally just see it unwinding. Yeah. So do you guide your patients through breathing techniques to make sure they're breathing properly or do you just watch their natural breathing patterns and adjust so, accordingly? This is going to sound super creepy, but <laughs> I feel like most of the time whenever I'm super in the zone, they match my breath. I don't have to say anything. Um, now I will prompt it anytime I'm going to adjust them. Like if I'm going to have them on their side and adjust their low back or something, I need to make sure that they're breathing fully with their stomach so I can just how I have to move them. Mm -hmm. Um, or like if I'm adjusting a T-spine, I will have them, um, I will say, go ahead and take a deep breath in once, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, and that's just to generate a cadence. But literally once they do it once, I find myself breathing with them. It's really that's weird. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so I guess they get in a cadence or rhythm, but yeah. I don't tell them. <laughs> I don't know. It just happens naturally. Yeah. Um, but what's really creepy is I've seen my like new patients that have never seen a chiropractor. They don't really know, um, <coughs> pardon me, they don't know anything about chiropractic. I'm sure you get the same thing. If they've never taken care of themselves, they're super rigid. They're super like jumpy. Yeah. And like when you go push them, they like, they're just on, yeah. on edge, you know? Um, and then the more we adjust them, the more they like start just taking care of themselves. Like all my regulars, those, I don't ever have to coach on breathing. They just do it. You yeah. Know? And the new ones, you kind of see, I'd be like, breathe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got both seasoned veterans of massage and new people that, yeah, both of them, or it all across the board just kind of depends. And yeah, I think you're right. It depends on their level of self-care self -care regularly anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely interesting. I also see it um, as far as like breathing goes and stuff like that in running. Like since mm -hmm. I've gotten into that, you can see people that just haven't figured out the breath part of yeah. running, you know? I didn't have it figured out for a long time and, and it took me forever to run more than a half mile because I was, I was constantly trying to breathe like a sprinter. Like that's all I'd ever mm -hmm. done and it was just, real quick breaths and just get there or don't breathe at all because yeah. I mean if you're running down a long jump that was my thing if you're running down a long jump path that's 50 meters maximum yeah even less I just wouldn't breathe yeah <laughs> I just deep breath and then take off take and off, there was yeah. no need to breathe for that five seconds that it was going to take me to do that yeah so um it was very hard to figure out how to expand my stomach while I'm breathing mm. and uh whenever I run with new people um 
getting them to regulate breath work, in my opinion, is one of the most important things they can do. Yeah. I'd be, do you have any suggestions or advice for anybody while we're here, like places to look, uh, <coughs> people to visit on YouTube or websites or anything like while that? While running? Or just for breath work? For breath work or for oh, okay, running. Because, yeah, I'm definitely interested in the running breath work too, because that's, I feel like that's when I'm running something I just allow to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. I usually listen to music, so I kind of block everything out and just go into this zone, which I feel like my breath and my rhythm with running all just kind of syncs itself up and I go, but I'm not really working on increasing my speed. I'm not really increasing my endurance. I feel like I just kind of get into this pace and I would like to explore expanding on that. And I feel like the breath is probably involved because obviously you take off and you start pushing yourself harder and then I get winded. I'm sure everyone else does. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to expand on that, uh, first off, breathwork, Wim Hof, fantastic one to check out first because it's literally the most basic breathwork you can do. Yeah. Um, there's no affirmations or any kind of meditative thing of it. It's just breathe. And then hold your breath and then breathe and then hold your breath yeah um so that's a great way to start um the calm app is wonderful the headspace app is wonderful i've used headspace uh, headspace is more of a meditative app but it's everything starts with breath work mm -hmm. and uh the idea of being able to focus so much on your diaphragm it will put you in a meditative state um so i'm going to jump off on tangent real quick for that <laughs> um, especially around here it drives me crazy that all these tough guys around here out in the country think that they don't meditate and yet they love fishing and they love hunting <laughs> and I know I do both and guess what it's meditation that's all it is I you're, have been saying that for years you're sitting you're out in the sitting woods up in a deer stand yeah. not playing on your phone not listening to anything but the sounds of nature around you that's meditation, that's meditation. you're alone in your thoughts yes. I can promise you <laughs> you know uh, while I'm sitting out in my kayak in the middle of a lake I'm meditating I promise Absolutely. you you know um, yeah. I'm just out there with my thoughts. And I'm so, glad you pointed that out because I feel like a lot of people really overthink this meditation thing. Oh, I don't have time to just sit and do nothing. Like, well, you did right. in the tree during hunting season right. or have whatever. Have you ever you just like focused on something and realized that you still wanted to keep looking at that spot? You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like you yeah, look at something kind of and you like just kind of unfocus. That. Yeah, that's yep. a simple version of meditation. And it actually feels really good when you do it. And like you even think, Man, I really don't want to look away from that. Yeah, I do reason, that when I'm cooking. I'll just be stirring the pot, and I just kind of go into this weird zone of yeah, just, just staring at what I'm it. doing. And it's... then I realize, well, I've just been staring at this yeah. for a minute. And it's satisfying. <laughs> it is. It's relaxing just going yeah. into that place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so back from the meditation to the breath work, I'll finish that uh, tangent. As far as running goes, the two things that you have to watch is your lactate threshold and your heart rate zones. Um, my Garmin actually tracks it and tells me where my lactate threshold is, which is wonderful. So based on how I've been running, how my heartbeat has been pumping based on what it assumes my max is and everything, um, it puts all those things together and it says, it'll basically give me a readout and say, either run six miles or run um, for one hour and 20 minutes, either or, and you'll be at lactate threshold. And so, what is lactate threshold? That's when you're basically your body is going to start producing lactic acid and you're going to start going downhill. Mm -hmm. um, so anything before that, I can run aerobically. Once I get to there, then it becomes anaerobic and we start burning things that um, we may not necessarily want. As far as like 
um, endurance training, you don't want to get over that very often. Strength training, you want to hit it all the time. You know, um, yeah, so that's the difference. But the heart rate zone, that gives you a good idea of what, what your heart is doing is telling you how much breath you're getting. And so if you find yourself constantly jumping way up in the zone super quickly, then you know you're not breathing deeply enough because mm. that shallow breathing will, will create acidity really quickly, which then lends itself to lactic acid buildup. And then, then immediately your heart's pumping faster to try and respirate that. Yeah. So um, the best advice I can do is watch your heart rate zones. Um, even if you get like a $10 fitness watch. Yeah, good advice. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to bring it back to full circle? And we covered a lot of different topics. I've gone on so many tangents, I apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize. That's exactly what I want. There's so much to talk about and so much to explore that, yeah, it could even lead to topics later on. Yeah. Um, I do want to jump back in for a little bit into the journaling aspect yeah. because through the 30-day experiment, my realization of how effective journaling is has actually got the gears turning for me to launch something that also ties in with um, this hypnotherapy program I just did. I'm, I'm in school for hypnotherapy right now, so I just recently had to do eight sessions with volunteer clients. And I think they went pretty well, but I was definitely seeing how much of a beginner I am. <laughs> um, but one of the things I did, uh, I had four for sure who specifically wanted to work on anxiety. And the other ones had a little bit of anxiety intermingled in some of their other goals. And I ended up just creating this in-depth hypnotherapy anxiety questionnaire so I can really understand what these people have going on uh, in their lives on a deeper level where this was coming from and how I can script a hypnotherapy session to suit their specific goals in their specific language because that's how hypnotherapy works best if it's worded the way you would word it it speaks to your subconscious mind that way and through this questionnaire it was so eye-opening there were some that avoided filling it out because they got too emotional whenever they approached certain questions. There were some that got so vulnerable with me, which I really appreciated that they trusted me with some of this information they were sharing. And then I realized when we were in session, they didn't want to talk at all. Like, wow, you're really willing to be open, like eager to be open on paper or screen, but verbally you just want to keep hiding within that shell. And I know I'm the same way, it's way easier for me to write than it is to talk. But it almost seemed like this filling out of the questionnaire wound up being, being very cathartic for a lot of them. And especially I would notice certain limiting beliefs or I would notice certain things that tied in with the past that they didn't elaborate on. So I would respond to some of those and say, hey, tell me a little bit more. Why do you think this way? Why do you believe this way? Why do you think this happening caused X, Y, and Z to happen later? And I'd get this response back like, oh, I never really thought of it that way. Or, oh, wow, I never really thought of it on this level or explored this before. What an interesting question. And then end up digging deeper and together. It was just kind of this accidental process of digging deeper into their thoughts. And it turned into the way I journal. They were psychoanalyzing themselves through this questionnaire the way I psychoanalyze myself in my journal. And 
hopefully the hypnotherapy session was helpful. Uh, it seemed like it was deeply relaxing for everybody, but the thing that got me the most excited was that interaction that we created through the questioning, the questionnaire process. And then coinciding with your 30-day experiment, while I was journaling regularly every morning, I was like, oh my gosh, there is a, its own form of therapy happening here that I can structure into a program in and of itself. Yeah. So yeah, I am. it's actually available on my website right now, uh, jamiechristine.com. Um, it's the interactive journaling method. And basically you will pay for my life coaching services through a journaling style format. So I'll ask a few initial questions, what you want to make better in your life, what are you wanting to change, where are you right now, what are you wanting to explore, what are you wanting to get out of this experience in ways that your journal is gonna be able to talk back to you. So fill out those questions and twice a week is basically how I have it set up for four weeks. I encourage you to write every single day, but twice a week I'm gonna check back in, I'm going to highlight certain things that jump out at me and say, hey, let's explore this a little deeper. Why do you believe this? Why do you think this? And make suggestions on what if you looked at it this angle? What if you made this simple little mindset change? How do you think this would affect your life? Maybe put this into practice. And I'm pretty excited about it. I've already got it started. Awesome. And yeah, so thanks for the inspiration on that. It's really exciting. You created a ripple. Good. Yeah. That's that sounds awesome. Yeah, for sure. So um, that being said, too, since you created this ripple effect, where are you planning on going with your 30-day experiment? Ultimately, um, I want to keep giving the 30-day experiment out for free. You know, I don't uh, plan on doing anything with that other than just trying to figure out. I'm still figuring out how to, like, make it reproducible. So anytime somebody's like, hey, can I get that? And I can just be like, yeah, and I can add their email to the thing, and it'll start kicking them out um, in sequence. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> After that, um, I would like people to expand on that. So I took another group through an additional 30. So the initial yeah. uh, group of people, I basically said, okay, who here wants to do another round? And uh, I gave it about three weeks, and I was like, I kind of reminded them. I was like, okay, who's falling off the wagon already? D do you guys need some more time? Yeah. And... Uh, a lot of them said, yeah, let's go back after it again. And um, what I learned from that was <clears throat> that people need a kick in the pants to get them to do certain things. Initially, whenever I have my, my initial questioning on whether they qualify to be a part of the 30-day experiment, that is also, like you were saying, it's, it's designed to lead them into a certain uh, state you know by the yeah. time they finish that hopefully they're being a little more vulnerable a little more open and they're literally um, taking account in things that they need to change in their life I've had anything from you know people wanting to lose uh, some weight to people that want to change their relationship uh, status which you're gonna have all kinds of stuff to talk about that yeah. soon um, but anyway what they needed was a kick in the pants. And so I feel like one of the coolest things that I've ever been um, exposed to is being surrounded by a bunch of people uh, while I was going through chiropractic school that helped push me to do certain things. And they, we all kind of made a vow that we're gonna make each other uncomfortable on purpose and we're gonna call each other out whenever you're not doing something properly. And so I, I love that. I love the brutal honesty because 
a lot of people don't like hearing what they don't want to hear. <laughs> no. But, but when you understand that the person that just told you that, they love you more than than somebody that's going to sugarcoat it. And mm -hmm. so um, the people that are being blunt is the is what you need. So anyway, yeah. um, I just love people. So I'm going to be <laughs> blunt with them. And hopefully we'll put together a weekend where we get together and dive in with, with them and uh, literally break down all physical, emotional, and spiritual barriers. And, I love that. Yeah, make yeah. them uncomfortable. Yes, and I, I love that. I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on the make uncomfortable on purpose. Like, I mean, I understand that, but for people who, I can imagine there's a bunch of people who just heard you say that and thought, why would you do that? Sure. Okay, <laughs> so to expand on that in a very basic sense, um, think about any time you've ever tried starting a diet or you've started working out because you're going to do something and you feel incredible those first couple days. You feel inc incredible because you just got made uncomfortable, but it gave you hope for something bigger. And that concept of being uncomfortable and then overcoming whatever made you uncomfortable, it does two things. One, it shows you that your limitations are once again completely in your mind. Um, and then it also gives you self-confidence to pursue the next obstacle. And so once you look and you see, okay, that's a wall I'm gonna run through, and then you actually make it through it, then you're like, okay, where's the next wall? There's a wall, I'm gonna run through that one. Yeah. And uh, it's not very comfortable running through walls, but you get through thicker and thicker ones, so then the little stuff doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And so being uncomfortable simply just lets you know you're in the right, you're headed in the right direction, because if something's making you uncomfortable, it's because you have some kind of insecurity about it, or some kind of weakness that you might as well remove anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. That's basically my understanding of it too. That if you're uncomfortable, that's the thing that's going to push you to get out of being uncomfortable. It's going to push you to make those necessary changes to improve your life. Yeah. And it builds resilience. One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly what you just described. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that I took most from David Goggins' book I read was, uh, it's called Can't Hurt Me, and that whole thing is about mental resilience. The mm -hmm. guy's nuts. He like, <laughs> went through um, through BUDS, the Navy SEAL training camp yeah. that most people don't pass. He went through it three times before he finally got through it, um, <laughs> running on broken legs that he taped with duct tape uh, before he'd run in the morning so that he wouldn't get kicked out again. Um, but that guy proved that this is like everything is up here. Oh, the yeah. physical body is much more weak than what is sitting up here underneath your, underneath my hat. Yeah. So, um, understanding how much more powerful that thing is, is what you can expand on by being uncomfortable. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that in and of itself would be an awesome topic to explore in its own because we could get into the idea of the placebo effect, which yes. I love that concept. It just proves across the board how powerful our brain is, our mind is, and our mindset. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to get back together and chat about that. Great, that'd be a good one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, you feel like we covered I a lot of ground. Did. Yeah, we did good. All right, well, thanks for chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, until right. next time. Thanks for joining us, see and you guys. we'll see.